There will come a day when God will be our light, and the dark of night will be sent to its grave. And there will come a time when we will live forever in a city that will never pass away. Oh, how my soul yearns and even faints. But until that day comes, I will go and warn the darkness that the light of Jesus Christ has overcome. And until that day comes, I will speak to all injustice let the moment of its ending is sure to come, for the day will surely come. We who are His church must prepare His coming and go and tell the nations of His world. And let us give our lives to the calling that is on us to bind up every wound and every hurt. How my soul yearns and even fades, but until that day comes, I will go and warn the darkness that the light of Jesus Christ has overcome. Until that day comes, I will speak to all injustice that the moment of its ending is sure to come. Oh, that day will surely come. Oh, that day will surely come. The light of Jesus Christ has overcome. But until that day comes, I will speak to all injustice that the moment of attending is sure to come. Oh, the day will surely come. Oh, the day will surely Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion. We're so glad that you've joined us. To those of you here, as well as those of you worshiping online, welcome. And now hear the word of the Lord. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing with us. I count on one thing, the same 
God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never made is working all things out. Working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never made is working all things out. Working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will. Bless your name, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days, oh yes, I will for all my days, oh yes, I will, I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all can stand against I choose to praise to glorify glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name yes I will Sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I
Good morning, everybody. My name is Nate DeWitt. I'm the youth pastor here. Just wanted to say good morning to everybody. Welcome you all here again. Uh, children, it's time for you guys to head downstairs. If you're heading down to Sunday school, you guys can sneak out a second. Also, just wanted to pass along, uh, we're about a week removed now from what we call Summer Service Week here on Hard Awakes Campus. We had about 160 students that stayed overnight all week long, about a week ago. Um, it was a great week. We had a great time, and I just wanted to pass along a couple thank yous. Uh, first of all, to everybody for the volunteers and the people that help us out in the kitchen and everything all week long. Makes a big deal at keeping 160 kids in good moods throughout the week, having those full stomachs. So thank you to you guys. Thank you to the prayer warriors. I know we had a lot of people around campus and that are a part of the community of Hardawake that were praying for us all week long. A big thanks to you guys as well. Hardawake staff, our whole staff comes together to make this week work. So thank you to you guys. Parents for the support that you guys provide all week long and for sharing your children with us. Um, our high school students, we also have our high school students that come and they act as a sort of hospitality team and an encouragement team throughout the week. They did a great job for our middle schoolers. Uh, and then, of course, lastly, our middle schoolers who went out into the community to do various service projects throughout the week uh, and made a huge difference around the, around the town as well. So thank you to the middle schoolers. Um, also, thank you in general to the, to the Hardaway community for the generosity that you guys have. If you want to make donations or... or and encourage you guys to give. You can do that online, or you can find boxes uh, around the, the exits as well. So if you would, pray with me, please, beginning with Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for, yet way too often we forget to express that gratitude. 
Help us, Lord, to have eyes of gratitude, to help us, help us to see you and your extravagant provision in every part of our lives. Then help us to take a step further, and not only to see how we should be grateful, but to express it by living our lives in a way of gratitude and service to you. Lord, thank you for the summer. As we enjoy the last few weeks of the summer of 2021, help us to not take for granted the beautiful Michigan weather, the beaches, and the landscapes that give us such an expansive playground to enjoy. Lord, we pray for those that are going through periods of life that are hard. Many in our community struggle. Uh, many in our communities face struggles that without you would be insurmountable. Help us as a community to be your hands and your feet and to find ways to be there for, when possible, to provide help to anyone who needs, who has needs that crosses our paths. Lord, we are grateful. As we listen to the message today, help us to hear with open ears and an open heart so that we may consume your words to us today. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nate. Hey, good morning, Fusion family, once again. Good morning. I make you always respond, don't I? I'm going to pause and make you respond. It is a, it's a beautiful morning this morning, whether there's clouds or sunshine or humidity, because uh, God is good, amen? And uh, one of the ways we got to experience the goodness of God uh, this weekend was I took the kids to the peanut store for the first time. And they're just walking around like, what is this place? This is like heaven on earth, right? And uh, spent way too much money. Anyway. Uh, I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 20, if you would. We are continuing this summer-long journey working through the book of Acts, um, but we're getting close to the end. Uh, I, I feel like most often when, when, a, when someone goes through the book of Acts, you get to this section, you get exhausted, throw your hands up, and, and give up. But we are going to push through, and we are going to the end of the book of Acts, and I'm excited about it because we're going to because all of God's scripture is God breathed, amen, and, and there is words of life uh, found in the pages of, these of this book that we love. Last week, if you remember, we ended, there was a riot in the city of Ephesus, and Paul continues from Ephesus, there's the map there, and he works his way toward, toward Greece, uh, and then begins a journey back, he was going to sail back to uh, Jerusalem, but he begins making his way back through Greece to the north, and finally he arrives in Troas, right there. By the way, three cheers to Steve, who put some highlights. Let's just offer a, God is good, yeah. No. Um, and so he's in Troas, and in Acts 20, there's this really fascinating story. Maybe you've heard it before. Uh, Paul is preaching. It's actually the first time we read of uh, the church gathering on a Sunday for worship, the Lord's Day, instead of Sabbath worship, Saturday, they're worshiping on the Lord's Day, Sunday. And there's a, there's a man uh, sitting in a window named Eutychus, and Paul preaches well into the night, and Eutychus falls asleep, falls out the window, and dies. Like, this is, this is in our Bible. And then Paul goes down and throws himself on top of him, and the Lord revives Eutychus from the dead. And then Paul goes up, didn't learn a thing, and preaches till the next morning. You know, it's like, slow down, preacher. We all need that word. Uh, hopefully none of that's happening this, this morning. Anyway, uh, but from there, Paul makes his way back to uh, not Ephesus, uh, but Miletus. 
just south of Ephesus, he goes to a city of Miletus. He doesn't want to go to Ephesus because he's kind of in a hurry and he knows that if he goes back to Ephesus, it's going to be a long, extended journey. Instead, he goes to Miletus, calls the elders of the church of Ephesus to meet him there. And here, what we're going to be reading is a unique um, word from Paul for the book of Acts. It's the first and really the only time that Paul is addressing the church. And what you're going to recognize in the words we're going to read is it's going to have more of a flavor and feel like Paul's letters in the New Testament when he's writing to Ephesus and, and Corinthians. And it's, it's more of a pastoral word. And because of that, we're just going to pause and we're going to read the whole thing in and just take that in and then focus kind of on the, the last section. But because it's God's word, because we want to honor him uh, and recognize that it's the word of the Lord, if you're willing and able, I invite you to please stand as we hear him speak to us. This morning, as we soak in Paul's pastoral heart this morning. Verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they, the elders, arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of, uh, none of you among whom I have gone and about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He's saying this is the final time we're going to see each other. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And here's where we're going to be focusing our time, starting in verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most 
was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you continue to reveal yourself to us by the power of your spirit through your word. And we pray, God, that your spirit would open our hearts, make us receptive to hear a word of encouragement, a word of challenge, whatever it is that you might have for us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's hard to believe that uh, it's already August. Uh, It was actually August last week, but it was the first, and I kind of missed it. But it's August 8th, and I don't know about you, but when I get to the month of August, does anyone else, it's like you finally are thinking like summer is winding down. And it's like a gut punch, like, oh, you know, because it's so disappointing. Because summers in West Michigan are so great. And you, you go into Target, and what do you start seeing? That, that kind of section that always changes around. What's in that section now? Back to school supplies. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> some parents are like, yes, you know, school. Some students are like, no, school. Um, I was just reflecting on this this week, and um, I I realize that it's been 20 years. So 20 years, I'm aging myself. You can do the math. But 20 years ago, this summer, this August, my parents were dropping me off as a freshman at Hope College right here in Holland, Michigan. 20 years ago, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, And I was just thinking about that whole experience of, of parents bringing your kids to college for the first time, right? And there's, there's this difference in perspective, right? You have the student's perspective, and then you have the parent's perspective. Uh, the student's perspective, I remember being a freshman at Hope College, getting into Phelps Hall, and I'm getting settled in, and, and, and I'm thinking about things like, well, I'm thinking about friends I'm going to make, you know, and those social connections. And then I'm thinking about classes and how do I get around campus. By the way, when I was a freshman at Hope College, they gave me a map of Hope's campus, and it was upside down. Like north was down and south. So my whole map of Holland, Michigan is upside down. Anyway, side note. Get that corrected if anyone works at Hope College. Anyway, um, and, and I just remember all these things. I'm trying to learn all these things. And then all of a sudden it hit me like one of the first nights at Hope College And I'm thinking, I don't have a curfew, (laughs) right? Like this sense of freedom. And I'm like, I can go. And I'm like, you guys want to go like Denny's at 2 in the morning? I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we go to Denny's. But like my first weekend, uh, a bunch of friends from out of town, we, we go to Tunnel Park. And so we drive to Tunnel Park, park, we, we get down on the beach and we're, we're playing in the water, looking at the sunset, and all of a sudden the stars come out and the moon comes out and we're just like, this is amazing, freedom. And then it's like, let's get back to the dorm. We go back to the parking lot, get in the car, start driving away, and there's a gate there. <laughs> like we didn't realize there was a gate and we're locked in Tunnel Park and we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have cell phones at that time. It's like, what do you want to do? I guess we're spending the night at Tunnel Park in a Dodge Neon. So we spent the night at Tunnel Park. So these are the things as a student, right? As a parent, totally different perspective, right? Now, obviously my kids are not there yet, but I imagine there's all kinds of different concerns as you send your kids off to college. There's some lighthearted ones like, do they know how to do laundry? You know, 
will they do laundry? You know, that's probably the greater concern for some. Um, but then there's these like deeper, like more pressing things like, what are they going to experience there? Have I given them enough foundation? Are they going to, what are they going to do? What are the decisions they're going to make? What are they going to learn in the classroom? What are they going to learn in the dorms? They're outside of my house. Are they ready? These are the kind of concerns that kind of, my guess is, as a parent, kind of consume your heart and your mind. And it doesn't even have to be sending your kids off to college. We're sending kids off to preschool and second grade, a new school, and we have similar concerns. We're releasing our kids, right? Interestingly enough, if you think about it, there's a parallel here going on in Acts chapter 20. For Paul, he's not sending the church away. He's the one leaving. And this is the last word that we have of Paul face to face with the elders of the church of Ephesus. And what he has to say to them is significant. Because these are like his final words to the church in Ephesus. Have I done enough? To kind of frame this conversation, these are the pastoral words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. To kind of frame this this morning, uh, we're going to do a little Greek study. Three words in the Greek. The English, um, educate, entrust, and embrace. Yes, they all start with E. Yes, I'm a pastor and I wanted that to happen. Anyway, but we're going to study those three words beginning with educate. The first pastoral word, what is the first thing that Paul wants to leave with the elders of the church? Beginning in verse 28, there's some education that he's trying to do. The word isn't translated that way, but we have some imagery. Paul's talking about the elders as shepherds over the flock, the church, the sheep. He's talking about wolves. There's some imagery from Jesus, right? But verse 20, verse 31, he kind of sums it up with these words on the screen. So be on your guard, Paul says, Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now you're like, that's not educate, that's warn, right? Well, the NIV translates a Greek word here, warning. Uh, It can also be translated elsewhere as admonish or instruct, which is where I get educate. The Greek word here is nutheteo. You want to say that with me? Nutheteo. Let's try it one more time. Nutheteo. We're going to do a, two more of those. Okay, nutheteo, which you're like, what in the world does that mean? It's actually a compound word. I tried laying it out on the screen. It's a compound word in the Greek uh, from two Greek words, the noun nous, which means mind, and the verb tethemi, which means to put or to place. So literally, this word is translated, could be translated to place on or to place on the mind. Uh, Think of uh, modern day, drop some knowledge, right? Uh, I I need to drop some knowledge in your mind. There are truths that you need to know, and that's that's what the word means. Paul is desperately wanting to drop some truth in the minds of these elders to educate or to instruct them. And why does he want to do this? Is because he knows what's ahead of them. He's well aware of what lies ahead because he has faced it for years. What's coming? Hardship, trials, attacks, deception. And he frames this uh, from the outside and from within. And why is it? Because he wants the people to be prepared 
for what's ahead. So he wants to educate them. That's the motivation. He's admonishing, he's educating so that the people will be prepared for what lies ahead. Paul goes on, he, he borrows some imagery from Jesus. You recognize that, like sheep and wolves. Um, warns the church that there are wolves who will come among you and not spare the flock, verse 29. What's he talking about here? He's talking about direct attacks. There's going to be some who are going to come after the church. In first century, I mean, there's persecution coming, right? Direct attacks. They're going to come after you. They're going to try to destroy you. But then he goes on. There's, there's other ways in which the enemy works as well. There's also going to be more subtle attacks. Verse 30. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Right? This, is, this is just wisdom that the enemy works in any way that the enemy can to trip us up, whether through direct attacks or through subtle distortions of the truth. I don't know about you, but I, but I read that, and I read that framed by Paul, and I think that resonates. Like even into our time today, that, that resonates with my heart. Because we see the same thing happening today that happened 2,000 years ago, right? There's, there's, there's direct attacks, certainly, but there's also these subtle attacks. I think about my own kids. And no matter when, I mean, there, there's all these stages, right, as parenting where you, where you release your kids. And even sending your kid to preschool or to grade school is, is, is you're releasing them. They're, no long, they're not in your care for at least a moment. And even, even now, with young kids, I pray that they're prepared for what they'll encounter. Going off to school, have I, have I given them enough? Have I taught them the way of Jesus so that, so that they know who they are? They're firmly founded in who they are, and they, they know how to live in such a way that, that they're, they're a blessing not only to themselves but to those around them. I, I, I think about that. And I can only imagine what that's like sending your kid off to college. Where, where now they're, they, are, they are on their own. And I, and I just, have I, have I given my kids enough? What are they going to face on that college campus? Not out of fear, but just out of just, just real, real concern. Like, what are they going to learn in the classroom? What are they going to learn in the dorms from friends? That they, and, and what ideologies, philosophies, like last week, what are they going to learn? And, and, my and I think about that, and I'm like, do they have, do my kids have a, a deep enough and a broad enough foundation in the truth of God? And it's not just kids going off to school, it's all of us. I mean, we live in just this digital world, and each and every one of us has thousands of different messages and narratives and, and coming our way through our phones and through TV and just driving up the freeway. Do I have a deep enough and a broad enough foundation to withstand that? Am I prepared? I think about the images of Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. How does he end the Sermon on the Mount, right? Those who, who hear these words and put them into practice are, is like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. Are we, are we grounded on a rock, a solid foundation? I think of other images in the scriptures of, of the vine and the branches or, or like a tree planted by living water. Do we have roots that are deep and broad and strong that allow us to stand? Educate, admonish, instruct, be alert. 
Learn to recognize the, the enemy's schemes. That's the first thing that Paul leaves with the elders in the church in Ephesus. The second word, the second pastoral word, entrust. Entrust. Again, you won't read that word in the NIV translation, but let me direct you to maybe the, the most pivotal verse in this whole discourse, right? Verse 32. Maybe the most important word in this entire address, one sentence, he says this. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, a little, a little Greek word study. The word translated here, commit, elsewhere can be translated in trust or commend. Interestingly, this is the same word Jesus uses on the cross in Luke's gospel. Into your hands I commit my spirit. There's some significance there. It's beautiful. In the Greek, the word is paratithemi. You want to say that with me? Paratithemi. We're all Greek speakers now. The Greek, it comes from the Greek prefix para. Think of parallel lines. It means alongside, beside, before. And then the same verb, tithemi. To put, to place. This time, instead of to place or put in one's mind, it's to put or place before God, to entrust. We, we, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing we can do as parents or as leaders in the church is to entrust and to commit those that in our care to the Lord, to give our children to the Lord who is gracious and loving and kind. Paul wants to do, yes, all that he can do to prepare the church for what lies ahead. But at the end of the day, the best and the most important thing he can do is to give them to God, to entrust them to the care of God and to remind them of what that means. To remind them that the Lord who offers a word of grace can, is the only one who can build them up and to offer something that lasts forever, an inheritance. A foundation in God and the grace of the gospel. And friends, as parents, as, as teachers, as leaders, what we can do, the, the, what, we, what we are commanded to do, yes, to educate and to prepare, but at the end of the day, the most important thing we can do, the most important message and truth that we can leave to those that we love when we say goodbye, whether it's sending them off to preschool or to college or at the end of life, is to remind them of who they are in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, to remind them of their foundation that is found solely and securely in the grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel. We do our best. Yes, we educate. We, we try to do our best to prepare, but at the end of the day, we entrust them to the Lord because it's only God, it's only by the power of God and the grace of Jesus Christ that anyone is built up and given an inheritance a future that will last. And maybe some of you have parents of adult kids, like that's your hope. That is what you are holding on to right now, that I don't know what's happening, but they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a sure and certain hope. Paul would later pen words to this same church, the book of Ephesians, right? And I believe that it's in this spirit of commending, of entrusting this body of believers to the Lord that he offers this prayer that's on the screen. I'm going to read it. Just imagine Paul praying these words. 
He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's one of my favorite passages. What a beautiful prayer. Entrusting the church in Ephesus to the care and the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You think about a lot of the distortions and the attacks right now, it's on that foundation, right? Whether attacking the, you know, the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the validity of believing in a, in a higher being, direct attacks, or so many distortions, our foundation is grace, of Jesus Christ. It's not in our ability to live by some kind of standard or say the right thing or believe the right thing. It's all grace. And if there is one thing that we want to leave our children, it's this gospel. You know, becoming a parent changes you. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I, uh, you know, when, when our daughter, Emmeline, was born, like, you, you think about things differently and it was like, what is the one message that I want my kids to always know and understand? And, and I thought about that as she was getting older and, and the, the thing I wanted my kids to know more than anything else is that they are loved. And how do kids understand the love of God first? It's through the love of their parents. And so when Emmy was, was growing up, uh, um, I, I, I would ask her, I'd, I'd say, she's like two, and I'd say, hey, Emmy, can I tell you a secret? And then she'd run up to me, and she'd give me her ear. So it's kind of cute. So then I'd get to whisper in her ear, and I'd say, I love you so much. And we just kept doing that over and over. And now I tell her, I say, hey, Emmy, I gotta, can I tell you a secret? And she looks over at me, and she says, you love me. Yeah. And, I, and even with a little eye roll, it's like, yes. Yes, don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that your parents love you with everything we have. We're gonna make mistakes every day. We love you. And there is a God in heaven who loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for you. That is the foundation. That is the message we want our kids to carry with them no matter where we release them into. We wanna educate them. Yeah, we want to we prepare them, do all that we can to prepare them, and at the end of the day, we want to entrust them to God so that they have a foundation that rests securely in the gospel of God's grace. And then as we close, there's one more word. Not a word found in, not a word found in Paul's actual speech, but found in what happens after. Embrace. It's this powerful scene. Powerful scene. At the end of Paul's speech, starting in verse 36, I just want you just to close your eyes and imagine this scene. Paul has just gotten done pouring his heart out to these elders of Ephesus, and this is what we read. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed 
And then here they are praying together, and they begin weeping together, and they begin embracing one another and kissing each other. Now, again, that's a first century thing, you know, but can you just picture this scene? These are people who have shared life for three years. These are people that Paul has walked beside and discipled for three years, and there is this love that is captured in a word, embrace. One more time, some Greek. The Greek word here is epipipto. That's a fun one. Can you say that with me? Epipipto. It sounds like some kind of medication. Anyway, anyway, we're just, epin, uh, anyway, start. I'm going to stop. Two, word, two things. Greek prefix epi, so think like epidermis, like on top, surface, right? And then pipto, which means to fall. So it literally means to fall upon or to press against. It's the same word actually when, when, when Paul throws himself on Eutychus. It's the same word. He embraces him. He throws himself on him, and then he's raised to life. Same word. They're just, they're throwing themselves on him. And actually, that's finished with pressing on Paul's neck. So they're falling on Paul's neck. It's just this physical representation of a word of, of people leaning on one another and pressing against each other. Not, not silos, but leaning into one another. It is a, it is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ at her best. Because at her best, the church of Jesus Christ is a community of love and trust. A place where, where yes, we, we can educate and we can encourage and we can even say a word of challenge. And why, why can we do that in the church? It's because it's a community of love and trust. It's a place where, where we trust that the person offering this word is someone who loves me, who wants my best, and has some wisdom that they can give. That's why we can educate. This is a, a community that we believe in the power of entrusting and giving over to God because it's a community where we believe in prayer and the power of prayer and the goodness of God's gospel. The image that comes to mind, fusion, is family. group of people who are bound by something more than things we share in common or our affections or our willingness to like each other because we know family and church, we don't always like each other always, right? But we're bound and we're connected by something greater and deeper. Biological families connected by blood and a name. Family of God, the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. We are bound by something so much stronger. And here's the difference, and here's what I want to leave us with this morning. There's a significant difference between what Paul experienced in Acts 20 and what, and what parents experience when, they, when we send our kids off to college. Because in Acts chapter 20, Paul is saying goodbye for the last time. And for our young people who are heading off to college or starting a career or moving away, you need to know something. It's not goodbye. It's never goodbye. You need to know that you have a home here. You have a family here. And are we going to fail? Are we going to mess up? Yes. But what we are striving for and what we are seeking after as a community is that this is a place that no matter where life brings you, you will always be embraced into this church family.
And can the people of God affirm that word? Amen? Because here's the thing. When we go off, and we're going we're gonna to hear new things, and, and when you go off to college, you are going to hear new things. And you're going to hear ideas, and you're going to hear things that are going to maybe challenge your thinking, and it's going to raise questions. It might even raise doubts. It, 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 might even, it might even make you question, like, what are some of these things, and how does this fit? But let me tell you, your faith in our God is deep enough and broad enough to handle all of those questions, to handle all of those doubts. And what we plead with you is come back here and have those questions and bring those doubts and bring all of those conversations here into a family that loves you and wants what's best for you. Because if you bring them somewhere else, they might not care about you all that much. We want you to know that this is a safe place, a healthy place to wrestle with questions, to wrestle with doubts, to wrestle with struggles. And if you're in a place right now where you're like, how does my faith fit in with my experience? How does my faith fit in with some of the things I'm learning? Give me a call. I would love to have that conversation with you. I'll take you out to coffee or lunch. I don't know. But we want you to know that this is a place that is safe. And why is it safe? Because of our foundation. It's not in believing the right thing or saying the right thing or doing the right thing because the truth of the matter is each and every one of us is going to believe the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing multiple times, dozens of times, countless times in our life. Our foundation is in the grace and goodness of God. And so we come and we listen and we do life together as a family. You join me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we think about the many, many messages that we hear in our world that are alluring. That tell us we got to do this, we got to be that. And Lord, that happens outside the church that that, Lord, happens inside the church. But, Lord, at the end of the day, we are here this morning because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are here this morning because, Lord God, you loved us so much that you, would, you refused to give up on us. Lord, the, the picture that comes to mind is... is is that parable, Lord Jesus, you shared of the, the prodigal son, which really is a story about a prodigal, a reckless father. A father whose love for his son compelled him when he saw his son a far ways off to get up and run down the road to greet his son with open arms. And Lord, you do the same thing for each and every one of us. Lord, show us how we can embody your gospel of grace. It's not easy. But by your grace, because of Lord Jesus, what you have done on the cross, by the power of the Spirit at us, 
within us. We can be that image of your people. Continue that work in us and through us and among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We invite you to stand and worship with us.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. I believe there are donuts out there. <laughs> Until you take them. prepare his coming and go and tell the nations his worth and let us give our lives to the calling that is on us to bind up every wound and every hurt how my soul burns and Jesus Christ has overcome, and until that day comes, I will speak to all injustice, that the moment of his ending is surely come, for oh, the day will surely come, oh, the day will surely come. The light of Jesus Christ has overcome. And until that day comes, I will speak to all injustice that the moment of pretending should come. 